Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatuli here with you alongside Blake Elliott. Yes, sir. We got David Shrupp on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And thank you guys for rolling with us on a Thursday evening in the Metroplex. A chilly one, too, man. Yeah, a little chilly here. Um, a couple of days of chilly. We're going to bounce back, though. Tomorrow... Yeah. We'll be back in a, in a, a springtime mindset yeah. when it comes to the weather, and I think that'll stay for a little bit at least. I was that, ready to put nice the hoodies thing. away. I was ready to stash them in the back of the closet. Not in no <laughs> Texas, baby. Like yeah, It could be hoodie weather 365 days of the year. Yep. I'm not saying that it will be 365 could days. Be. Actually, 366 this year, right? Yep, leap leap year. year, leap year. Uh, and so you got to be ready. And you know a person that likes to stay ready is a, a good friend of ours. He calls baseball games for the Texas Rangers Right, and you can, he could be heard on 105.3 The Fan. He's a hip-hop lover. He's an all-around great guy, and he's given me one of my favorite things to say all baseball season. Los Rangers! His name is Matt Hicks. Hicksy, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Reg. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Hicksy, I'm not going to lie. I am peeved. I am, I am absolutely and peeved. And you know what? And you've got, every, you've got every right to be because you got me for this slot before anybody else did. Let's go. And those those guys were all over me today at the ballpark. <laughs> I feel like they have a sense of it. And I don't think anybody realizes, like, dude, having the night show, I'm going to complain a little bit and nobody wants to hear me complain, but I'm going to do it anyways because I've got the microphone in my hand. Um, but, yeah, exactly. having the night slot, when, you, when you're booking, you have to try and, like, avoid the minefield that is, all right, but are they going to take my guests first? Am I going to have to, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to book around. And I was like, you know what? Everybody keeps getting Jared. Everybody loves talking to Jared. I'm going to talk to my man, Hixie. And the day, the very day that I try and talk to Hixie, everybody talks to Hixie. It's okay. I'll just say I'm a trendsetter. I make it, it's, a, it's a record. <laughs> I've never been on three times in a day. Look at that. But well, it's like, it, it's like so I, I, you know, I got asked this morning, and I'm like, yeah, I'll hop on with you guys. And then, like, you know, before I went on with G-Bag, like, like 10 minutes before, hey, can you come over? I, yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I got Reg tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good. I'm here with my, my guy, Blake Elliott, as well. And we just, let's, let's talk a little bit of spring training because as unlike those guys, we don't have the luxury of being out there and seeing things. So we're going to make you our eyes and ears for the evening. All right. All right. Okay, very good. Um, I want to begin here. Um, Cody Bradford, I've been aware of the idea that he's reintegrating that curveball and, I mean, maybe it hasn't been, like, a ton to write home about just yet, but it got me thinking about just the various pitchers and how 
they are adding to their arsenals or refining their arsenals. And I know for you, that, that's one of the things that you'll watch during spring training. Who's the guy or what's, what's the pitch that you're looking out for that's being tinkered or added to the arsenal for these Texas Rangers? Man, that's a, that's a really good question because they don't, you know, in general, uh, when you talk about pitch construction, um, you don't usually go team wide. You you obviously each pitcher is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many things different, and and especially when it comes to pitchers, you know, the length of their fingers, and so some guys can grip the ball a certain way where others can't. For example, if you're going to learn a split fingered pitch, it's probably a little bit better if your fingers are more on the long side than on the short side because you've really got to get around the baseball and wedging a baseball between your index finger and your middle finger is a little bit easier for a guy that's got longer fingers. So, in other words, you you hear talk about the splitter being a pitch that more pitchers, more teams want to go to because of its deceptive nature. It looks like a fastball, but at the last instant it drops, and it's a very difficult pitch to get the bat on, and today – you know, we saw Nathan Evaldi, and uh, Evaldi's splitter has been exceptional uh, throughout his career, and it was a, a really good one with the times that he threw it here today. But not everybody can throw that pitch. And so what ends up happening is, you know, you've got all the technology available to take a look at what guys throw, their release points, and what could be more effective. And sometimes – what ends up being diagnosed as being more effective is a guy just maybe moves a finger, you know, just a little bit on a certain grip, and that gives him better action on that particular pitch. Um, and so it, and it's not just pitch construction, it's tunneling. Uh, it's making all of your pitches look like they're coming out of the same slot. And, and so there are a variety of things that, all the teams are doing to try to make each individual pitcher uh, better. But, um, you know, I would say that it seems like throughout the game that the trend is probably more that we're seeing more guys throwing the splitter or refining the splitter. And maybe, you know, here in recent years, the elevated fastball has been something that's been an effective pitch. But I think some of the numbers show that in the last year or two, maybe hitters have made an adjustment a little bit to that. So in other words, if if an elevated fastball was a part of your arsenal, um, you're going to need to refine it to make it maybe a little bit better and to throw it in better uh, locations um, for it to continue to be effective. So, you know, it's baseball is a constant game of adjustments, um, but I you know, I, I, I hate to say, well, baseball's going this way and it's getting away from this, but it seems like in terms of a small trend that that's probably what we're looking at right now. Well, Matt, sticking with pitching, we're going to a different pitch, going to the fastball. There was a couple flamethrowers out in the last couple of days. Um, obviously, we had Diego Castillo, Yuri Rodriguez, and then obviously the 23-year-old Emiliano Teoda, who was reaching 100 miles a couple of times. What is kind of your thoughts on those guys? You've obviously had a better point of view on them. What are they kind of like in the clubhouse and then obviously on the field? Well, I haven't had much experience with uh, any of those guys uh, in the clubhouse, although I did uh, say hello to uh, Diego uh, today. Seems a, a rather uh, affable sort. 
Um, but the comings and goings of guys uh, in the clubhouse, uh, when you have 70 guys in camp, uh, they're not all in the clubhouse at the same time. Um, and so I, I can't really give you a, a read on those particular guys individually. In terms of what they throw, you know, Teoto was definitely uh, impressive with his stuff today. But I think that, you know, Diego Castillo uh, is certainly an intriguing guy to watch only because of his previous success in the big leagues with both Seattle and Tampa Bay. He did not have a successful 2023 campaign. Um, he walked a lot of guys. He was only with the Mariners in the first month of the season. He got optioned out to AAA. And then he spent the rest of the year at Tacoma, and he never really got any better. He never got to the point where the Mariners said, well, you know, he's doing some stuff now that could help the uh, big club. So, you know, he needs to find <clears throat> what was successful for him or whatever he can do to get back to the Diego Castillo of, you know, 2021, 2022 in that uh, range uh, if he's going to make this a ball club. But he's certainly a guy that's, you know, got the experience, 30 years of age, um, and, um, you know, and he throws what, uh, he throws his, uh, slider, I think more than uh, any other pitch. So he's not a guy that's going to come in and just blow you away uh, with velocity, but you can't, I don't, I don't know if you can have like four or five Teotos, you know, in your bullpen. It seems to me like, you, you know, you want some of those power arms, but you also want to mix in guys that have you know, a really good type secondary pitch. And when Castillo was really good, that's what he had. So, you know, hopefully for him, he can get back to that. He can be, you know, somebody that, you know, could have an impact here on this bullpen. But every year now, you know, what we're seeing are more guys that can reach triple digits. And you have to remember in facing big league hitters, while, you know, you don't have much margin for error, Big league hitters can hit 100 miles an hour. And if they see it often enough and it's really straight, they'll be able to adjust and they can get something done. So in addition to being able to throw that 98, 99, 100 mile an hour fastball, you need to have something else to get the hitter off the fastball. And so those are the kinds of things that you uh, look for with these guys that, you know, we haven't had a chance to see very much. I've seen Teoto throw now a grand total of two times. We're talking to Matt Hicks. He's a play-by-play man for your Texas Rangers radio broadcast. And Hicksy, uh, one of the guys that I've been super interested in is Justin Foskey. It seemed like he was a little landlocked when you talk about the middle infield. Saw that they put a first-base glove in his hand to start spring training. I've just been super int- intrigued by you know what he could be in, his plate discipline and all those things. What have you seen from him this early on in spring training? Well, number one, he's got a great baseball body. He's got a great hitter's body and I think you start there and again just seeing him in a few at-bats and a couple of swings uh, he looks like the kind of guy who can make adjustments and the kind of guy that can do some damage so you know last year uh, at Round Rock the batting average was 266 but uh, he had uh, an excellent on-base percentage and he can hit for power um, and then in terms of his play in the field, when you talk about first base, you know, if he makes the club here out of spring training, uh, it's almost assuredly going to be as a designated hitter. But, you know, he's got experience at third base and second base. But last year, the Rangers, uh, when he was in Round Rock, 
um, had him play a little first base. So I think he started, was it nine games last year at first? And I think five of those nine times were in the final month of the season. So he got a little more action toward the end of the year at first base. And not that, you know, he's going to be pushing Nathaniel Lowe aside anytime soon. Just the fact that he's got that in his tool bag, maybe if, you know, he's on the club as a designated hitter on uh, the very few occasions that Lowe needs a day off, Foscue can slot in there uh, at first base. But, um, you know, he's he's got experience at the positions at second base and third base, so the Rangers know that he can play there. Um, you know, if uh, Josh Young needs a day at third, we all know that Marcus Simeon doesn't need a day at second. <laughs> um, expect him to play uh, in every game. Um, but I think that in, in Foscue you have um, somewhat of an advanced hitter and a guy with power uh, as an advanced hitter. So as spring training wears on, I'd like to see a lot more of him uh, at the plate to be able to kind of get a real read on the type of hitter he is. But basically, you know, he profiles um, as a power hitter who will take the walk and you've got to pitch to him. Um, to follow that up, kind of with another utility infielder, what have you thought of Ezekiel Duran? This is now two spring trainings in a row where he's impressed and then obviously just not found a spot in a constant starting lineup unless it's for injury. Where do you kind of see his role, and do you think spring training is helping kind of boost him within the Rangers organization? You know, I don't, I don't think he needs any boosting in the organization. I, Bruce Bochy loves him. Everybody likes what he brings to the table. They know what he can do. Uh, and he, too, you know, might be a designated hitter uh, at the start of the season. Um, clearly, he can play at short. He can play at third. He can play in left. Uh, he's got a gun for an arm. So he has you know, all kinds of talents. Uh, and, and I see him being on the team last year in spring training. You know, every time he took the field, he was doing something that was uh, terrific. And he was also really good at the plate here today. Uh, in the win over Milwaukee, uh, and I remarked about it when he got the uh, RBI hit just inside the right field line. Uh, it reminded me of a big hit that he got two years ago in a game against Detroit where the Rangers were uh, trailing in the ninth inning, and Zeke came to bat. Bases were loaded. I think there may have been one out. may have been two. I don't remember. But um, he was facing their closer at the time, uh, Gregory Soto, and he was able to connect with a fastball and shoot it up the right field line for a three-run double. You know, he's got that, that clutch ability in him. He, I, he wasn't all that clutch uh, last year. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that you want on your club, versatile in the field. When he, when he replaced Corey Seager and got the bulk of the starts at short last year after Corey's first injury, right around April the 11th, uh, what Zeke was able to do both at short and at the plate in that one month period was phenomenal. His, uh, his OPS in that stretch was 880. I mean, yeah, you're not getting Corey Seager. Who, you, you can't replace Corey Seager, but if you can replace him with an Ezekiel Duran who gives you excellent defense at short, great range, power arm, and he's OPSing at 880, <laughs> you'll take that. Right. So I, I think I think with Zeke, what where he is right now is when he wasn't playing on a daily basis last year, he struggled. And I think that Zeke probably felt like, all right, when I do get in, I've got to go two for four, three for four and do some damage. And so he started chasing. 
and he was susceptible to the high fastball. He was susceptible to the right-handed uh, pitcher's slider moving away from him down and low, and he just chased a ton uh, in the second half of the season. So if he can get back into the zone and just be comfortable with who he is and not, you know, if he's got to go three or four games without playing and then he gets into the lineup, not press, you know, in that situation and just relax, let the ball come to him, you know, he's going to be once again a, a huge plus for this team. And you know, even with his bad stretches last year, he was still a plus player overall last season. And so, um, you know, I'm really high on Zeke and the, and the organization is, and I'm not, I'm not so sure there's anything that he needs to do to impress them more, but I think that's what they're looking for right now is him to kind of harness that plate discipline. Hixie, I'm going to ask you a couple questions here because there's about five of them that I want to ask at this point, but I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, obviously, look, man, you, you've spent a decent amount of time doing this, but this is the first time that you come into spring training where you are covering the World Series champions. Is, is there a different aura around the, around the grounds, or are they really just sticking to the, you know, we just got to get our nose to the grindstone? And also... What, what are you doing to improve your game this season? As it feels like everybody goes to spring training to improve their game. Yeah, well, uh, that's certainly true to address uh, your first question. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. I'm, I, I'm not uh, really good on diagnosing the spiritual or the supernatural uh, when it comes to auras. But uh, by the way, uh, Reg, uh, since I said aura, you're familiar with the group aura, right, from the uh, 70s and 80s? I'll have to double check because it you know, sounds you know familiar, but off the top of my head, I'm not. I'm not All finding right. That's, the right. Another, that's another conversation. They did some great music back then. Terrific bass playing. Anyway, I'm oh, that sounds track. like a bet. I'm going to listen to that tonight. Okay, uh, A U R R A. Anyway, um, the one thing that's palpable about the team, and you're right, the guys they go about their business like they always do. You know, the players get into their routines, and they really don't think much about you know, all of that other stuff. But the thing that is very noticeable is the uptick in attendance. Mm. So while I don't know what today's figure was, it was 4,000 something. It was one of the lighter numbers, but whether the Rangers have been at home or on the road here in the first week, the attendance say is maybe up about 2000 per game, which is significant. If, you know, normally you get about, 3,500 to 4,000 a game and you're getting 5,500 to 6,000. So that puts a little more buzz in the air. And of course, you know, we played the giants at home already and the giants travel well. So the attendance for that game was really good. Tomorrow we'll go over to Scottsdale where it's almost always a sellout and sure to be a sellout with the Rangers coming to town. So I think that what's really noticeable is the home attendance being up significantly up. Um, because the Rangers are the defending World Series champions. And I think that as spring training goes along, I think it'll be uh, even better uh, before we uh, break camp to come home to play Boston. So that's the one thing that's definitely noticeable about that. Then to answer your second question, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right now I'm trying to get into my routine, but every year I try, I try to make strides to figure out how to work smarter and not harder. Yeah. And as each year goes by, I pick up maybe a little trick or two here and there at 
what do I really need to concentrate on for this particular broadcast and focus on that and not so much just the, I need to know something about every player uh, all the time. Um, just for example, for today's game, okay, a webcast, uh, we weren't on the air, uh, and it's spring training. So not that you relax because I prepared today like I would prepare for any other um, spring training game. Um, but um, for me, you know, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, refresh my memory on Nathan Evaldi. I wanted to refresh my memory on Owen White because we only saw him a couple of days uh, last year. And I had a, an extensive conversation uh, with Owen White in the clubhouse prior to the game today. All of that information that I got from Owen White today, I never used on the air. <laughs> uh, I've got it now because we, we talked about certain things and, and a lot of things not even related uh, to baseball, but I didn't get a chance to use it. And there was other material that I prepared for the game that I never used in the broadcast. And that's, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that you can prepare on a variety of levels and ultimately the game dictates where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And you might be ready to talk about all this Nathan of all these stuff. And then he goes through the top third of the Milwaukee order in 10 pitches and you're done. And you didn't have a chance to tell a story. And then in spring training, you know, the guys are working, the starters are working their way up so that they can begin the regular season, you know, being able to go five or six innings. Relievers are either, you know, knowing that they have a slot and they're working on pitches or guys are battling for jobs. And so people are doing different things, but you don't get to see them perhaps as much or as long as you would in the regular season. So, you know, if a guy comes in and he's, you know, really quick with one inning and he's terrific, and you've got something to talk about and you don't get to use it, well, that's just it. And a lot of broadcasters will try to jam all the information that they've prepared for a game uh, into a broadcast and you just can't do it. So a lot of what I prepared for today never came out of my mouth. <laughs> well, well H Hixie, it's still always a great broadcast and hopefully you're preparing a little bit more French for us in this upcoming season as well. <laughs> I, I will prepare French when I think that it is going to be a part of what is going on, that that whole Le Rangers thing, I'm still so embarrassed by it. Don't be. <laughs> Don't be. We enjoy it so very much. It's one of our favorite things. And also, I, I did a quick uh, precursory search on Aura. Uh, apparently, or they were uh, originated in Dayton, Ohio, and that is just a, yeah. a fertile valley of fantastic uh, music. So I will definitely be listening that on my ride yeah, home. They came in out evening. of another group. There were a ton of great musical groups that came out of Dayton. Uh, and I think uh, um, probably for me, their best song is "Are You Single." Okay. So you might want to you might want to give that a listen. Yeah, uh, it seems like some folks. Yes, and I will. From the two one four, they okay. said, "Are you single?" Slap. So there you go. Look, man, there's people listening there that go. are right there with you, Hixie. Absolutely, great bass in that song. Great dance song. I'm gonna start doing that. You realize that now, and hopefully we can get you again during spring training. Have another yeah. song, uh, another recommendation ready, because now we're just going to be doing Hixie's music re recommendations. <laughs> Hixie's hits. Uh, there it is. We we got it. I'm, I'm going to start working on selling it. We can sponsor this. Out, outstanding. I was talking. I was talking uh, with uh, guys uh, yesterday, and uh, the the group K7 came up 
in conversation. You familiar with this? Is old school stuff, Reg? Yeah. See, uh, you're you're finding all of my you're finding all of my soft spots here. Like you're finding the gaps in the coverage. No problem, because that's you're a lot younger than I am. That's <laughs> that's old man stuff now. But you got to look uh, those guys up. Too. Okay. Very good. You've given me some homework. Uh, hopefully, uh, you continue to do your homework because it's always fun to listen to you on these broadcasts. As I'm sure you get the text that I said I'm when into, I am. I'm deep into Giants. I'm deep into Giants preparation again for tomorrow. But I appreciate all your comments. Very good. It's Matthew Hicks. I don't well, actually. I don't, I don't think I've ever called him Matthew Hicks. Matt Hicks, uh, Texas name. Rangers. That's my full name. That's right. right, right <laughs> Texas Rangers play by play, and our very good friend here on the Get Right, right here on 105 through the Fan. Have a wonderful evening, Hicksy. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Always yeah. fun when we get a chance to talk to Hicksy. You, 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 you excited? That was your first time talking I to Hicksy know, on the air, right? That's a legend, man. That's a legend. He is a fun one to talk to. It's the Get Right right here on 105 through the Fan. Coming up next. How about you rate these potential NFL rule changes? We'll do that next on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This song makes me want to sing, I'm not going to lie. Sure. It's the get right right here. I'm not doing that. Uh, my singing is so bad. Is your mic on? My mic is not on. I said my singing is so bad. Okay, yeah. Um, I... So get right right here on 105.3 The I Fan. I just did a whole monologue with my mic off. Look, you wouldn't, you're not the first person by any means. You're not the first person in this room to do that. I can tell you that for damn sure. Uh, appreciate you rolling with us on this Thursday evening in the Metroplex. Big appreciations to our guy my, Matt Hicks for hanging out with us for an extended segment because it's just so fun, right? It's just so fun. Also, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe cut that up and let Jared Sandler hear it because he he uh, he always feels like he talks too long. Hicksy gave us a good amount, which I was not upset about, but it was it was a, a lot of a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, all hopefully our your listeners, brain was ready and open. Yes, absolutely. And hopefully I'm I'm gonna see. I did not confirm with him, but we'll see if we can get Hicksy back again to get more spring training updates. As him, Jared, obviously the uh, Hall of Famer Eric Nadell, all in spring training, all uh, all the way up to the start of the season. Uh, and uh, was it? The, I think the 26th is the last spring yeah. training game, and technically that's happening at Globe Life Field. Yeah. So, man, th- those guys are going to be a wealth of knowledge. And then, of course, th- you can always get them here on your home of the Rangers, 105.3 The Fan. But right now, let's talk a little bit more about the NFL because there's some proposed changes, some proposed rule changes that are supposed to be you know, happening. And so let's rate them. Let's do it. Um, and I know Tom Pellicero of – uh, NFL media, NFL network. That's uh, a little, little Twitter write-up. Yeah, he compiled a lot of these. So let's go through these. I guess we can go sequentially, right? So this is a potential rule change that comes out. Special teams coordinators will meet on Saturday and try to craft modified kickoff rules. 
so that uh, they're trying to deliver an acceptable injury rate. The kickoff is one of the most uh, injury, I guess, inducing. riddled. Uh, injury inducing is a good word. Uh, plays in football. And so they're trying to find the rules that would make it a little bit less injury prone. Um, the hope is to have a formal proposal to discuss by next week. So multiple onside options are include are uh, being considered, including uneven formations and then the fourth and long alternative. Do you have a favorite of the uh, kickoff proposals? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of kickoff returns. Do them every time in Madden. I'm saddened that it's gotten taken out because you know you either see guys touch back or guys fair catch, and I get it for the injuries. So hopefully there can be a rule put in place that this can be more proactive. I would my favorite would be the uneven formations on an onside kick because you got to have equal amounts on each side. If we can just load up and just have eight on one side and like the other people on the rest two on the other side, I think that would be awesome. Um, something to kind of spice it up because right now special teams is kind of a snooze fest. There's nothing really to look forward to. It's a touchback. It's a fair catch, twenty five yarder out of bounds. There's not really much to look for. Onside kicks barely get recovered. So I think they're trying to still integrate that part of the game with, with taking the injuries out. So I'll be interested. I will give it, if it goes through, I would say it's a six change. Six out of ten change. It's not going to change too much, but it could make it more enjoyable. Uh, I think that they have a lot of things that can happen here. Six, I think, is the minimum that you can go to depending on what you select. I think a lot of the options are good. I just, one of them feels great to me, and that's the fourth and long mm-hmm. option. Because what that does is... It, for one, when it comes to injuries, the punt is actually significantly safer yeah. than a kickoff. And so if you if you get a fourth and long, let's say fourth and 12, fourth and 15, one of those, right? You can either you can punt, which I think most teams would typically do. And now you have an option for a return or opportunity for a return. Punt returns happen more frequently than these kickoff returns. So you have that opportunity. You know what it also does? Hmm. Let's say that you're down by nine points you score a touchdown kick the extra point you need to get the ball back right it's fourth and 12 you put your you put your offense on the on the field right your quarterback now gives you an opportunity as opposed to trying to depend on your kicker to to get an onside kick or whatever your quarterback can go and pick up that first down and now we're off to the races Mm. trying to score a touchdown I love that as an alternative What, what do you think about this as an alternative for the onside kick instead of a kicker kicking it you're talking about bringing the quarterback out here. This and is just, my mind just went. Just arm punt it? Arm punt it. Have right. my quarterback just, go out you're there. You're just getting rid of the kickers entirely? And, no, maybe just this is a little thing, and you just you, you do a little drop back. You decide where you want to throw it, and you try to throw it with a little bounce. I'm sure they could figure it out. They do it probably when they're messing around and just do a, a, a simulated onside kick, but with throwing the ball. I don't even know how that would work. You know what? I'm willing to see it. Put it in, put it in the UFL or whatever. Let, what's, them, what's let the, them figure it out. What's the Canadian football one where you can – there's I, some real oh, weird thing where remember. you can like pick up your own punt, and if it doesn't, if you miss, you get one extra point. It's it's. I have it's no weird. idea. I'm not going to be honest. Uh, another thing that the competition committee is I think talking that's the about the biggest one, the second one, the quarterback push play, still mm-hmm. a concern for health and safety. Injury rate is technically low. There were 299 sneaks last season, which is the most in NFL history, and the success rates were actually were slighter, slightly higher without a push. Yeah, that that's kind of interesting because, you know, there was a lot of talks about the tush push maybe getting taken out and a lot of people think that it was going to happen. But obviously it didn't happen. And 48 of those uh, of those sneaks were were push sneaks up from 33 percent in 2022. And kind of like you were mentioning, the the non push sneaks actually had a higher success rate than the ones with a pusher behind you. So the tush push outside of the Eagles when anyone else tried to do when just combining all the NFL wasn't as successful as maybe it was to the naked eye when watching the games. 
Okay. Uh, were you talking about the idea that they're not changing? They're, yes. they're just not going to change the rule yes. on those fumbles so out the, of the back of the end zone? The, the non- just because it doesn't, it doesn't happen change. enough. Yes. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, I think that was one of the bigger talking points, was are they going to change this rule? I'm, I'm for this rule change, and I think it's kind of dumb. But apparently, since it doesn't happen enough, they're just over 4,000 snaps. It only happened four times. That, that feels like a dumb it. reason to not change it. It just doesn't happen. So the dumb rule is only going to pop up every once in a while. It's a dumb rule. Yeah, it's still a dumb I just, rule. I and, feel like you have and a And it rule. alters the game so much. Right, when it, it does tilts. happen. <laughs> sure. Um, and I guess the idea is like it, it rewards defense, but I didn't when since when a rule is supposed to be like about rewarding is just about to, supposed to be about administering the game in a way that made sense. Yeah. And it feels like you already have a rule on the book that books that make sense when it comes to when you fumble out on the, out of bounds on the sideline. I don't know why that wouldn't apply to the end zone as well, but of course, of course, especially when it's matter. not even the defender pokes it out. It's like the the receiver just drops it, and they're like, "Good job, defense, for just being on the field, rewarding you. <laughs> we are rewarding you." Um, there's a rule, rule proposal that will be written up that out, to outlaw the hip drop tackle. Yep. Also um, supposedly it's going to be defined by three components, the grab, swivel, and dropping the weight on the back of the athlete. I'm guessing like on the legs or whatever yeah. as you, you know, maybe drop it. Um, a, supposedly it's only supposed to be called when it's clear and obvious that all three components are apparent and officials are confident that they can see it. So there's a lot of support for outlawing the hip drop. Where do you come from when it comes to I, the hip drop? I think this is something that is going to be very hard to police. Yeah. But if done correctly, will definitely help the longevity of the game. Because we saw a lot of guys going out for the season with some of these tackles. We saw a bunch of different horrific injuries this past season with that hip drop tackle. It even happened to Dak. I think it was the Detroit game in the pocket. Now, he was did a good job of kind of rolling out of it so that he didn't fall on that ankle. But it's a scary thing where... It, it's hard to police because if you're chasing a guy and you're really trying to tackle this really fast guy and you're grabbing from behind and you kind of twist and, and grab at his ankle and hip and then you drop, like, was he doing it on purpose to hurt him or was he just trying to get him down? Versus Yeah, the guy there's, that, there's not a lot of ways, especially as we continue to outlaw various things that, I mean, rightfully so in order to try and make it healthy. It's, it's just not, it's not very easy to bring a, a guy down, especially going full speed. Josh I mean, Allen's running by you. You're not thinking, is this a hip drop tackle or is this a regular tackle? Well, I mean, I mean supposedly that's uh, the, the, in theory, the punishment being there will kind of force teams to find a way to, you know, innovate in the way to try and tackle. I just don't know. I don't know how to legislate this. And maybe you put that rule in the books. And I, get, I love the spirit of trying to make it so that it only happens when it's clear and obvious. The tough part about that is it's all about practice. And this is where it's. I get a little frustrated because there's a lot of people that will complain about the officiating. How am I supposed to, like, as an official, right, the the rulings on those, doing making those in real time, I mean. It has to be like a replay thing. Exactly. Right? And then now we're slowing down the game for all of this. And, again, I think you're talking about a small subset of these hip drop tackles that would actually be penalties. And once it happens, I think it's just Do you, so I think one, ends up being an injury. It has to be something that's coached. Obviously, I don't think it's something that can change in one offseason. And then two, do you think it would be a thing that maybe you just penalize them after, like a fine? Like, hey, we went to the replay system. We rewatched the game with the official pool, and we realized that this player has now committed two hip drop tackles in back-to-back games. I, just, I don't, I don't know that the fine ends up being severe enough for what they're trying to accomplish. This, is, this in theory, is supposed to feel kind of like targeting, yeah. especially in college football, where it's like, yo, you're out of here, yeah. right? And so it's tough because I understand the heart of what they're trying to do. I just don't know that this effectively gets to it. But there you go. And then also intentional grounding fouls are up, and they take a long time to administrate, so they're trying to see if there's a rule change 
aimed at maybe reducing fouls and protecting pe- uh, quarterbacks when it comes to intentional grounding. I haven't really thought of intentional it, grounding. It, yeah, being it, a it's problem. just it's also another hard one to police. With did they get it back to the line of scrimmage? Was there a guy sure. there? Are they just kind of chunking in, and a guy ru- ends up running there when the ball lands? So. Hard one to administrate, not too big of a deal there. Okay, so those are some of the rule changes that the competition committee is looking at. And I feel you from the 214, JFC, let them play. Um, with with some of these, that's that's definitely where I end up coming down on. Except for the, the the kickoff thing, I think that we there's a lot of things that can make it so that you bring some entertainment to that portion of the game that has really become very, very bland, very blasé. So get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, it's a leap day, February 29th. Who are the best leapers that you've ever seen? 877-881-1053, the truckwreck.com text line. Text in, let us know. We'll talk about it next on The Fan. So get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula, Blake Elliott yes, here sir, with you. Your stars lead 3-1 to one at the second intermission. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening there but right now, it is February 29th, this Thursday evening. Leap year, leap day, to be specific, on this leap year. Happy birthday to all those leap year folks out there. Happy birthday, Tyrese Halliburton, who just had a sixth birthday today. Six <laughs> years old. I, I don't think... Dominating the NBA, man, at six. I don't think that that's how that works. I think it is how it works. Okay, all right. Well, or do you have any leap friends, like close friends that are that are leapers? Not that, that I could think of off the top good, of my head. I can't... Oof. Well, in that way. But, I mean, also I have some friends that can jump, and that's ultimately what our conversation mm-hmm. is about. In honor of Leap Day, I thought to make it sports, who are the greatest leapers, jumpers that you could think of or that you've seen in sports? Text them in 877-881-1053. We already got some people texting it from the 318. They, they mentioned a good one, Vince Carter. Yep. Best leaper. Now, incredible dunker, but you've, you've seen the hops. Like, the hops absolutely paid a, played a large part in that. Uh, jumping over the, the seven-foot-plus Frenchman yep. at one time in the Olympics, right? Like, the, the, the fun the times. Dunks. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the 318 also mentioned Derek Rose. Yeah, great leaper. Um, there's some other ones that were mentioned. Someone said from the 817, best leapers are my friends Garrick and Ashley who got married on a leap year. Okay, are. very good. Daryl Dawkins. Daryl Dawkins is a good answer. That's not a bad answer either. You know what's funny? The first name I thought of wasn't even basketball. Basketball feels like the place that where you'd go here to get jumpers. You know who I thought of? Who? Jerome Simpson. Do you okay. remember Jerome Simpson? I do not. He played for the Bengals, and I'm sure you've seen video of Jerome Simpson even if you don't know him because yeah. he was not like a player whose name you think of a lot. But he was the dude for the Bengals that was running towards the end zone. There was a defender in between him. And he does the the front flip, the somersault over top of him. Lands it at two feet. And I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, everybody's seen the play because it was such an incredible one. And I was like, that was where my brain went first. And that was the way, that's what time I'm on. It's like, just not just the fact that you could jump high, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Love it. But also, spectacular jumpers. Like, especially hurdlers, right? People that like love doing all this hurdling. Shout out to Ezekiel Elliott, who loved jumping yep. a good amount. Shout out to Jake Ferguson, uh, Jake who Ferguson, does a good amount of great it. Leaper. Is there anybody that comes to mind for you yeah. when you're so, like, leap day, Who's who, who are my leapers? There, there's three that, that hold high on my list, and excuse my age by my answers. Um, in the one spot, we're going Blake Griffin, one of my favorite players of all time. Could he just, definitely got up there. Could just fly. Which could is just, why I was so upset when he jumped over the hood of that Kia, because yeah. I was like, you could jump over the top he, of that he Kia. He could jump over the top of a G-Wagon. I mean, just dude's got hops. Number two is going to be Gerald Green. I mean, just every time down the floor was a highlight reel dunk if he was on there. And shout out to uh, the two one four who mentioned Gerald. They Green. also did. Okay, they know ball. Gerald Green might play for about fifteen teams. Two K fourteen. Gerald Green is nasty. Um, in the three spot, I have a little bit of a little bit of a, of a competition. I'm between. I'm between two guys. I, I'm leaning. I don't even. 
Blake Griffin bias. Yeah, it is a little bias. You know, good name, good name. Oh, okay. I was like, what's the bias? Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Calvin Johnson, great leaper. Yes, Megatron, especially being that big, can just can can just go get it. And then I'm forgetting the other basketball one, so I guess he wasn't that great of a leaper. It'll come to me at some point during a second. But we're gonna throw Calvin Johnson to three for now. Um, J.R. Smith. That's what I was thinking. J.R. Smith got some ups. I know he's a especially known early three, on. Early on, I know he's a known three point shooter. Jumped out the gym. Look up Denver and uh, <laughs> them uh, Knicks days. That, that boy could get up there. How about a Dallas Smith. native? Who's that? Spud Webb. Yes, yeah, Spud, Spud. Great jumper. Absolutely. You got to put Spud in there. Nate Robinson, I saw come in on the truckwreck.com text line. 817, this was a name I thought about. Troy Polamalu. Yep, yep. That man loved jumping over an offensive, or I guess, would, uh, offensive line, I guess, yeah. is what we would consider it, yeah. uh, to go and block a kick. Loved doing that. Loved watching him do that with the flowing hair. I love that we're getting more sports involved, too, because this does not have to be a basketball-dominated sport. Um, let me see where I oh I just lost it because they were coming in quickly from the nine seven two. Most will say basketball players, but I say Ken Griffey Jr. and Kevin Kiermeyer. So many leaping grabs to rob home runs. Let's I want to throw a little bit uh, to get a local flair in here. Evan Carter. I was going to say Evan Carter. Great we leaper. We we already seen it, but yes, Ken Griffey Jr. A great name to talk about when we're, when we're talking about going and leaping to get grabs in the outfield. So yeah, absolutely got to give some some love. To can the we, baseball players that are leapers. Can we can we give some love, Jason Richardson? Jay Rich, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, who who, who giving the edge, Baron Davis or Jay Rich? I'm going Jay Rich. Probably. Yeah, no, definitely Jay Rich. Uh, Baron Davis more power. Boom. Yeah, and then I I'm never going to like you know once we get to like bearded Jay Rich or uh, bearded Baron Davis, he he felt a little bit more ground back. It's tough, especially when you when you see some players go through the entirety of their career, and it's easy to think about maybe some like the older versions of them. Especially like we talk about Blake Griffin, you start thinking about Celtics Blake Griffin, oh, you're like, oh man, I that that guy doesn't exist. How about the goat? <laughs> How about the greatest of all time? Who's this? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh. I mean, this guy Lee got dunking legalized when he was playing in the NCAA. You say the greatest of all time, and then say Kareem. I mean, look, I think that he's not considered enough when we talk about greatest all time. Thank you, Rich. I'm just so proud of you for acknowledging that. Thank you're you. you're going to start him on a 10. We're not, we're not doing Shout that. out to the 518 who mentions Bo Jackson running up the wall is one of the things I always think okay. about. We're forgetting an easy one, a layup. What's the layup we're missing? Grant Williams. Wow, that's a real jerk move of you. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. He's not even here anymore. Let him go. I, I just thought he was a great leaper. He got off the no, ground. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Why Why are you doing this right now? He he was great at getting this off the like ground. This is like borderline body shaming. Aaron Gordon, by the way. We, we should mention his Aaron yeah. Gordon's a great leaper. Aaron Gordon. That, that, Zach dunk, Levine, that was a fun dunk Zach contest. Levine. 16. Also 15, Zach yep. Levine did some fun stuff in the dunk contest. Jericho uh, Sims, if you're a real ball knower for the New York Knicks. Um, yeah. Doesn't play well. Doesn't Ooh, play much. But who are some of the great jump ball? Oh, Anquan Bolden was a great Anquan jump ball guy. Yep. That's a good one. Um, um thinking he, Roddy White. Someone, Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp's a good one. Um, and Tracy then, McGrady. Tracy, Tracy. T-Mac definitely came up before. Man, he's one of those guys that, like, injuries really ruined what was happening there because back spasms threw him off. Otherwise, we would have been watching just okay. rocket championships. Someone said, I can't All believe right. y'all aren't giving any love to our boy Derek Jones Jr. Airplane mode. Airplane mode. He he jumps out the gym. He, he he like actually leaps. He'll do off one foot and be looking at the rim. I think that's a great shout. Two and four is not a bad idea. This is a good idea here, especially because it's like it came while he felt like a stockier version of himself. Two and four. LeBron. LeBron yep. was like wildly explosive when he jumped. Yes, three one four. I love what we're doing here. Let's add another sport in. How about MMA? Remember when Khabib Nurmagomedov jumped over the octagon yep. to go and get McGregor's peoples? Yep. 
Those, like, those guys are just athletes. I don't know, want no problem. Yeah, exactly. That that wasn't even just like I'm a leaper. That was a, I am not. No obstacle will stop me from yeah. beating yo. You know what? Yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Okay. <laughs> now, that dude fought bears. Now, now here we go. We'll do a we'll do a little one v one right here. Randy Moss versus Dez. Who's the better leaper? Oh, that's so tough because both can high point. I'm not even think like I'm trying to think of like the ups part of Randy Moss because I just get so stuck on the he's running by you. Why yeah. jump when I could just yeah. beat you? Yeah. But he really could jump. You're you're leaning Dez. You got Moss. He got. I am not leaning. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm not (laughs) leaning Dez. You're never going to get me to pick over who is probably my favorite wide receiver in Randy Moss. It's not going to happen. Yep. 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 Uh, David Thompson. Oh, someone mentioned, and I do want to get that out. David Thompson definitely deserves to be there. One of my favorite. Yes, Matt Matt McClung. We could throw him in here. One of my favorites. Is a little bit old school. Clyde the Glide Drexler. Oh yeah, because like that the glide that glide name uh, nickname. It just it did look that easy when he went and jumped. What about George Gervin? What's funny is I can't think of George Gervin actually like the hoops of it, and that's not to say that he's bad. Don't get me wrong. That is my personal ignorance. When I think of George Gervin, because I. I like to consider myself a historian. It's his ability to score. It wasn't like yeah. thoroughly his athleticism mm-hmm. necessarily. I mean, again, he made the silky smooth finger roll like mm-hmm. the thing, right? You know, and it was his ability to score the ball, but not necessarily how he scored the ball. Someone says Steve Francis franchise, yeah, Stevie franchise early on, dunk, Duncan, uh, dunk master at that point. Let's add another sport here. Someone mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, there's like an exhibit, and I can't remember exactly where it is. Text in if you remember, where like it shows you it, they hang a ball from a string to show you just high how high he would get up to get some of these headers. And like, there's a lot of people that couldn't even get to like where their hair was touching the ball. Talk less of where he would get to get over top of the ball and head it in. Man, some of these some of those dudes uh, in in soccer they be getting up themselves. Man, a lot of leapers. That are coming in. Byron Jones at the combine. Yes. Yeah. That, that what was that? The, the broad jump that he had? Yeah. His that was, was insane. Crazy. Crazy. Lynn Bias, rest in peace. Uh, somebody said the Iceman would dunk on folk, though. Don't forget the Iceman. Now, I, I know somebody would be Brian on this McBride, full of man himself, U.S. national team. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Miroslav Klosa, I'm with you. I tried to look up a list and I was hoping I would recognize the name. I just looked up the highest vertical jumps in volleyball because those are some leaps. Oh, yes, all but of them. But I don't know any of them. All of them. Yeah, I can't really get One last name I want to throw out there, Dominique Wilkins. For sure. He, wait, did you start with Dominique Wilkins? No. Oh, all you right. said Daryl Dawkins. I'm yeah. bugging. My bad. A bro. lot of people are did, – did we not already say Jordan? We Air didn't Jordan? get off Jordan. Air so, you Jordan. know, we will, we will end with the man who dunked from the free throw line. Even though I think more people can, but he had the audacity to do it. And to finish off Air Bud. Elite jumper. Elite <laughs> jumper. I'll put some respect on my man Air Bud. Or, or girl, was, do we know if Air, was Air but a boy? The dog. Okay, okay very good. <laughs> You're right, right here on 105.3 The Fan. Happy Leap Day to everybody out there. Appreciate you hanging out with us here on February 29th, this Thursday evening in the Metroplex. Coming up next, Will McClay had some statements from the Combine and Indy. We'll re- review some of those next on The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.